0: Hello friends, thank you for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible, with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please support this mission by subscribing to and rating the show on your favorite podcast channel, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else. By doing so, you'll help others find the help which just might save their life. Also, please help by sharing a link to the show on all of your social media channels every time a new episode drops. And always remember to recover out loud. Hello, all you beautiful souls. Thank you for tuning in for another fantastic edition of Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders and their families. Today, really happy to have my friend Blake Richards on. Blake is a member of parliament and is the shadow minister for Veterans Affairs Canada. Blake, thanks for being here, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's about damn time. <laughs> so yeah, I
1: know we've been trying to make it happen for a while, and uh, I'm glad we're finally doing it anyway. Yeah,
0: you know, we're good to go. Um, where I want to start with this, because this file is such a hot potato, Veterans Affairs. And it's frustrating from the veteran community side of things, because just as somebody starts to learn the file, oh, we got a new one, oh, we got a new one again, and uh, it, it just never seems to stick for very long. Uh, so nobody ever really has a chance to truly learn the file. So where I wanted to start, Blake, is who was Blake Richards before you got this file? And where are you now? Uh, like, what have you learned about our community so far?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I I, uh, I think the best thing to describe who I was before in terms of, you know, this, uh, you know, my understanding of, of this file was, you know, it really... Um, Let's put it this way: when when I got the the, the phone call from uh, Pierre Poliev asking me to take this on, um, I considered it a huge honor. Um, I've always had such a deep respect for those like yourself who've served, and uh, you know, I don't have I don't have military service in my background at all, uh, but just a huge and deep respect. You know, I've had a, an opportunity, uh, you know, a decade or so ago or more, uh, take my teenage son uh, over. To, to Europe and you know visit, uh, you know the battlefields, visit Juno Beach, visit Vimy Ridge, um, you know just spent several days uh, touring that whole area and just you know I think even that just you just get this new appreciation and so I've just always had this deep respect and uh, and so to get uh, the opportunity and I mean it was certainly something that's always been on my radar screen I've always kind of worked on veterans issues because I care. And uh, to have the opportunity to sort of formally take it on, wow, I was, uh, you know, thrilled. And, and yeah, I've, there's no doubt there's a huge learning curve. There's a lot of things. I mean, I, I was well aware um, that veterans were not getting the service they needed. Uh, I was well aware that there is a lot of things that need to change. Um, but, you know, as you start to dig into it more, um, you know, you know you, there's more and more things that you realize that, that there is. And I've really tried to focus on listening. Uh, and hearing what are the actual concerns and what are the solutions, because I don't have them, I don't pretend to have them, but I do know uh, that we need to hear from our veterans as to what they are. And, you know, I think not just our veterans, our families, but also the service providers, the people that, uh, that uh, you know, they're filling some of the gaps that Veterans Affairs isn't now. There's a lot of great organizations out there listening to them. What, what can Veterans Affairs do differently? And, and so I think, you know, you spoke to the idea of, um, you know, The the constant change in politicians, whether it be in the minister's office or, you know, a critic or shadow minister, whatever you want to call us. Um, And I'm really trying to see if I can find a way to sort of, uh, you know, bulletproof that, so to speak. In other words, I want to make sure that we've heard everything and put together a very comprehensive uh, document of here are the concerns that are out there. Here's what needs to be done to address them. Um, so that you know no matter who it is when when there's a conservative government in this country, which I think is coming very soon, but whenever sure that hope happens, so, uh I sure do too uh obviously uh but i and I think it is, but what what whenever it is, I want to make sure that that conservative government, no matter who is in the minister's office uh is ready to hit the ground running and really make changes that are gonna make a difference, and I think that's really where. Uh, we failed in the past and I, I say we I, I mean all political parties uh, is you know you put someone in there then they spend you know six months a year or however long it is learning uh, what's, what the problems are and by the time they get around to fixing them uh, it's too late and then someone else comes in, and it never really gets addressed. So I'm trying to really get an understanding and something that I can pass on to whoever it is. Uh, Whether you know, is. I'd love to have the opportunity, but if it isn't me that, uh, that takes that file on in government, um, I want to make sure whoever it is is prepared to succeed and and to really hit the ground running on day one and, and really make a difference.
0: It seems to me a simple solution for all of those files is to have a Project management software, just like any commercial builder does. Um, for goodness' sakes, my uh, automotive uh, auto body shop has it, where you have constant updates. Like, here is the projects, here is the stages that they're at. So, and and, and here is the bar. You know, like here is the progress bar. You are seventy five percent done. You are ninety percent done. And here is the estimated time of arrival or, or time of completion. Uh, every minister and shadow critic should have that. Uh, and with full public access, I mean, that's, that's what we're paying for as taxpayers, you know, like where, what are the promises and which ones have been buried, which ones are still alive? And, and how's the progress on these promises? It's, uh I think that would do a lot. I mean, talk about transparency. You know but that's the type of transparency I would love to see, and I think would go a long, long way to building trust with uh, with Canadians. What do you think of that idea
1: yeah well and I think I think even beyond that mark is uh, you know um, frankly we, what we need is we need more more veterans themselves involved, whether that be in mm. the department, whether that be in a minister 's office, etc. Uh, because uh, let's face it, if we got anyone who knows how, who understands logistics, if we got anyone who understands how to get things done, uh, certainly it's our veteran community. And so let's let's get more veterans themselves involved in in in, in making this happen. Uh, to me, that that's uh, that that would have a huge impact too. Uh, so you know, at the end of the day, it's it's about it's about getting things done it's not about talk or uh, you know uh but it, there's no question that um that you know uh there's there's a there's a broken trust and that's be- and i think the main reason for that broken trust is you know you, all you ever get is talk you don't actually get action and to me it's so it's you're right if, if if we need to make sure there's going to be action
0: Well, part of the problem, Blake, is the government of Canada still looks at the Royal Canadian Legion as the official voice of the veteran community, and it is absolutely not. Uh, You would be hard-pressed to find a veteran that would agree that they speak for us. Uh, It's mostly civilian-run now, uh, all the way up to Dominion Command, and for goodness sakes, they won't even be on my show. (laughs) You know, I can get everybody else, I can get you, but uh, I can't get the high and mighty Legion to come say hi and uh, to tell my audience what they're doing for veterans uh, nowadays. So like, wh- why is the Royal Canadian Legion still accepted as a legitimate voice of the veterans community when they are not?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'll I'll say this. I I think that uh, you know there's there's some there is some good things that the Legion does, um, and I, you know some of this there's some some service officers that I think do some really great work to really help uh, our veterans. Um, no question about that in my mind. But uh, in terms of you know I think there is there's almost a bit of a a line, uh, and I'll I'll say you know the more modern veteran um, doesn't necessarily feel that comfortable. In, in the Legion right now. And and I think, you know, I, I've talked to uh, a local uh, guy lately, and he actually has gotten himself involved in the Legion, but he's, he, he's very clear that he understands exactly why uh, people, you know, uh, a lot of our younger veterans, our more modern veterans don't necessarily feel, because I don't think, it, it, it's not just the Legion, but I think a lot of the typical, or and Veterans Affairs itself is another example of this. Um, they're not really set up and designed to serve uh, our our veterans of today, uh, and so there's no 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 doubt. There's a reason why there's so many other organizations stepping forward to sort of fill some of those gaps. I think the Legion could could do it. They just need to they just need to modernize a little bit. Um, but you know, there are some really good people that are really trying to make a, a big difference at the Legion too. So I I'm not going to be quite as quick to say the they um the, 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 you know, that there isn't a value in the Legion. I think there well, I'm not is. saying that
0: there's not yeah. a I'm yeah. not saying there's not a value. Like I'm saying that they shouldn't be the official voice of veterans and they are, uh, they, they're they're always pulled in as a stakeholder. Like when I was testifying in Ottawa, uh, there was somebody from the Legion. Um, why I don't know, because they had absolutely nothing to offer if you recall, but, um, uh, they are always included as part of the conversation, whether they had served or not. And I, I think that that's a misstep. Um, a good example is the 2006, uh, uh, veterans charter, so the the before and after 2006, you know, n- nobody in the veteran community was happy about that. Um, but everybody was to blame for that because it was it was bipartisan, um, conservatives and liberals pushed that through. And the legion was right there going, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's get rid of pension for life and clawing and scraping. It's actually under the Trudeau government that brought it back. So they can't be all bad. But um, either way, the point is is that they are not a great, they are not an accepted and respected voice of the veterans. But yes, they do do good work, absolutely, including I've experienced firsthand uh, help from the Legion, absolutely true. And I say it all the time that their service officers are fantastic and necessary, unfortunately necessary. And let's go to there. Um, yeah, so yeah. The, the legion well,
1: has, if I, can, if I just can first Mark, before we go there, cause, sure. you're, cause you're right. Like I, I, you are absolutely right. It's, it's unfortunate that, that, that there's even a need for service officers. Cause they're, that's they're what really I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. But, but beyond that, um, you know, you're, you're right. Like, um, To consider any organization, Legion or otherwise, uh, the voice for veterans, uh, you know, I don't know how anyone can do that. There's a a lot of diversity in our veteran community, and and we need to make sure we're serving everybody. Um, And if we, you know, if we're going to hear the voice of veterans, we need to talk to a lot more than just one organization or a lot more than just one person, right? So.
0: Yeah. And and you nailed it uh, right on the head. Like, why do we even need service officers? We need advocates for our advocates, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. but it's uh, the Veterans Affairs system, whether it's on purpose or by design is predatory. Because when you suffer from uh, from PTSD, administrative burdens are just a mountain that cannot be climbed uh, for many, many people. Some can do it, but most can't. And it's always a fight. It's always deny, deny, deny until they die every time, right? Now, I just have my tinnitus claim uh, denied without a phone call, without any investigation, and they were barking up the wrong tree. Well, uh, what's the exam for your inner ear? Tinnitus isn't from the inner ear; it's neural inflammation in your brain. But but you want to know about my inner ear, which has nothing to do about tinnitus. Uh, so without any science, the um, the claim gets denied. That's just one example. Um, it, what plans do you have, Blake? After hearing so many stories like what I just uh, gave you, what's your plan to to make it better so that there's not a bureaucratic wall between veterans and the services that they deserve?
1: Well, you know, I think uh, the first thing that I would say is this: um, you know, there's there's a service standard now for processing claims of 16 weeks and when i'm in <laughs> when i'm in rooms of veterans they do exactly what you just did they laugh yeah they say yeah right like when has anyone ever got anything done in 16 weeks and that's first of all 16 weeks is too long to begin
0: with it's ridiculous but, yeah and it's more like eight months
1: there's nowhere but we're nowhere near meeting even that which is too, which is too too high of a standard i think um, you know it should there should be it should be happening much quicker than that um, but it's not yeah I mean I hear t- routinely of a year two years I, I've had many people tell me five years you know and and uh, and that's just completely unacceptable so you know I think there, there are a lot of there's a lot of things that need to go into changing that um, but I think there's a couple of things that right off the top I think could really um, not only lower that, that wait time that, that, that exists, uh, and that whole, you know, a delay, delay, delay part. Uh, but we could also, uh, have a huge dent in the deny, deny, deny part, which would be simply, uh, you know, and you mentioned tinnitus is it, it's the one I hear the most frequently, the most commonly, I think that why couldn't we, uh, have a list of things that we know are very typically, uh, come from, uh, as service injuries, and let's just presume that if someone's got, if someone served in the forces and they've got tinnitus, there's a almost certainly that, that their tinnitus will come from their service. Like like think about it, right? The you know you know loud noises, all, all, all of the things that people are dealing with. Like I think if you can assume if a veteran has tinnitus, it came from their service. So why don't we just make those automatic? Let's, ju- let's, just, let's just approve them. Uh, you know, a lot of knee injuries, right? Oh, and yeah. Things like that, let's just assume that that is a service injury and think how much more quickly we could process not only those claims, obviously, but then the, uh, the others waiting in the queue, uh, they're going to get their things dealt with faster too. Uh, you know, you can always audit those things. You know, I've said this a few times. Um, when, we all, when we do our income taxes as taxpayers – all Canadians, when we do our income taxes, do, does Revenue Canada require us, every person to, to show absolute concrete proof of everything? No, you have to keep your receipts. And if they audit you, 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 you verify it, right? So there's a, there's this presum, presumption that, that the taxpayer is telling the truth to some degree, right? Um, and like, Couldn't we do that with our men and women who serve this country in uniform?
0: The thing I hear so often, Blake, is
1: presume that some of these things are are injuries. (laughs) And then let's let's just like think how much time it would save and how much more quickly people would get their service and their benefits they they need.
0: Well, what I keep hearing again and again is that we are treated um, VAC acts as a insurance company and not a service provider. So as an insurance company, they're always assuming insurance fraud. So, Vac mm-hmm. is assuming that uh, that you are a fraudster, and you've got to prove up the wazoo. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I understand yeah. that they don't want to be uh, paying out spurious claims, nor should they be. But they're going under the basis that we're liars. That's the starting point, yeah. as opposed yeah. to, oh my gosh, you're injured. How can we help you? It's oh my gosh, you're putting in a claim. How can we not pay you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 is exactly it. It's it's the 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 starting place needs to change, right? Yeah. The, the it needs to change um, to not to rather than this idea that you know how, you know how can we uh, you know find a way to 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 say no basically to to how can we find a way period yeah. like let's stop with the assumption that we're gonna that we're gonna need to say no. Let's let's go with the assumption that we wanna provide everything we can to that veteran. And sure, if if, if you want to audit some some files on a spot Spot by spot basis. Go ahead and do that, um, but let's presume that when like tinnitus is the is the best example, right? Let's yeah. pre- let's just presume that's a service injury and let's let's pay out the benefit or the service that need that's needed and let's carry on. Um, you know, we would just things would be so much more timely and like a veteran should never uh, feel like they have to go to some like you know nth degree to prove uh, that they have a service injury. I, I mean let's face it uh, a lot of things um, uh, they're, they're delayed right like the an injury will present itself later on and so obviously a veteran might at some point in their career uh, say everything's fine with you know their knee or their hearing might be just fine but it, later on there be, presents a problem so why do we want to assume that the veterans not telling the truth I just I just don't that mindset is, well it's were, it, they,
0: it's intentional like, ignorance Blake like f- yeah. For for example, um, I mean, <laughs> I'm a subject matter expert on on the different healing modalities because of my show, and I know that tinnitus is not an inner ear issue; uh, it is a neural inflammation issue, as I said earlier. So that's yeah. easy enough. All you have to do is a brain scan, an MRI, and you can see it. Oh, I was like, oh yeah, right there, there it is. Yeah. You know, of course, this guy has tinnitus, yeah. um, and the same can be done for traumatic brain injuries. And the same can be done for PTSD as well. You do the brain scan, and you can see it. It's a neurological injury. Uh, So guess how many people I know have had brain scans? Zero. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's not even considered, and yet that is uh, the only diagnostic tool that we have, and it's not being used. And it clears up a lot of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think that's that's really that starting place of of just you know, trying to find a way to, to, to not pay out. It's, it's that insurance company mentality that you mentioned, right? Like that's exactly the mentality that needs to shift to enable, uh, things to be looked at differently. Um, and, and if we start from that place, that's, that's the best starting place. And then, yeah, you're right. Um, beyond that, it's, 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 it's keeping up with, 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 you know, I, I think one thing I'll say right here is, um, Veterans Affairs, I think um, there's there's a need to modernize it, right? Um, I think that when you talk to uh, you know those that are still with us that served in World War II or served in Korea, they'll mo for the most part, many will tell you, and there's always exceptions, of course. They felt like they've been served pretty well by Veterans Affairs. That's actually typically what I hear from from you know from from that sort of the ones that are still around. Anyone sort of beyond that, whether they're peacekeepers, whether they served in Afghanistan, Gulf War, wherever it might have been, uh, typically you hear the opposite, right? They don't feel they've been served pretty well. There's always examples where someone did feel like they got the service they needed. And I think it's just that the programs and the services and their procedures have not been modernized. They haven't been changed to serve the veteran of today um, and what we understand about injuries now, but particularly when we talk about, uh, you know, mental injuries, um, those injuries uh, I, I don't think we have programs and services that are really designed around them. Uh, and so to me, there's a need to, to relook at all of that and figure out how do we serve the
0: veteran of today. And that is exactly my wheelhouse and something that I can help with. But guess how many uh, calls I've had from VAC. Zero! (laughs) Or the the minister or or any of it. Zero. Nobody's asked me for any advice, and I'm probably the number one guy in the country when it comes to healing modalities. Um, I'm going to read one of the comments here. Uh, Now, everybody remembers the town hall where there was a one-legged soldier standing there and uh, asking why he's still fighting the veterans in court, and Justin Trudeau said you're just asking for more than we can give right now. Well, that same veteran is just messaging uh, right now and putting in the comments. His name is Brock Blazczyk. And here's Brock's first comment here. Uh, does no one realize that VAC is just there to protect the D&D? That's the Department of National Defense. It's all about Band-Aids and not treatment, which breaks the troops even further. So true, Brock. Instead of straight-up treating them, why is VAC, like uh, WCB, and gets on the D and D's case about common injuries. And then he says, um, what would be great instead of talks of modernization would be for VAC to hold D and D accountable for not providing proper uh, duty of care. You know, thank you. And, uh, yeah, he's missing a leg and a half, and he's he gets zero phone calls. Nobody checks in on on Brock Vlaschek, despite his fame, despite um, uh, everybody still quoting um, what happened to him at that town hall. You know, you're asking for more than we can give. This is the guy talking to us right now. Um, so, what would you say to to, uh, to Brock?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing I'd say, and I mean, I know this this is something am people often say and don't mean it, but first thing I'd say is is you know, Brock, thank you for your service. Uh, and and thank you for your service needs to not just stop with the words, right? Thank you for your service needs to be about making sure that we're providing you what you need uh, and the care and the support and the benefits and everything that, that, that a veteran needs. And so, um, you know, that's the problem is I think it often stops at the words, right? It's, it's thank you for your service. Okay, see ya. Uh, and, and I think, you know, some of the points that Brock's raising here are absolutely incredibly valid. Um, I think that what happens is a lot of times there are things that don't get documented properly. And there isn't a, a, a proper interface uh, upon, you know, dur- uh, during the release process, but also afterwards. Like d in fact, there needs to be a lot Better uh, coordination so that um, there's a seamless transition, uh, and that that you know it, you know the records. I, I I think when we talk about records of uh, vet, you know whether it's a serving member or a veteran, they um, they need to be in more in more control of those things so they can make sure that they're accurate. Because I've heard so many stories where what happens is that's exactly what fall back on. Uh, you know, well this couldn't be a service injury because there's nothing documented. Well. Uh, let's make sure the, the 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 forces member or the veteran, it, it, whichever the case might be, has has more control over that stuff. So that so that because it is it, it is it's a it's it's that insurance company or you know uh, type of uh, mentality that we're going to try to prevent uh, this from happening. And so let's let's give the 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 service member mm-hmm. or the v- veteran more control over uh, that process um so they can be uh, you know uh on top of what's happening with them right um well there also I has to be an understanding like that mentality shift of, of veterans affairs itself uh, you know to to change the mentality of let's find a way to say no to let's find a way to say yes right
0: so there also has to be acknowledgement blake and um I can only speak to the infantry because that's where I served uh, in the same unit that Brock served. There is a strong mentality to this day of uh, suck it up buttercup. And if you go to the MIR um, or you ask for help in any way, you are blackballed and called a malingerer and, uh, and weak. And all of a sudden you have a dent in your career. Your career is either stalled or dead um, because you asked for help. Now that is there's been some progress over the last five years and um but it's still not great so that is why so many injuries are not documented because documenting it can be a career ender so you just shut up uh take your sepulchral and put on your foot powder and keep going
1: yeah 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 and i mean i mean I, i you know i've heard that many times and i completely understand it and i and i i can i i think that there's two things. I mean, obviously, there needs to be change there, uh, but I think beyond that, we there has to be a recognition that 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 that's the case, and I think that speaks to kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? Where where we can have uh, we can presume certain things or injuries uh, that come from service, just because there isn't documentation somewhere in a file, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen and it didn't exist. So I I, I think that's really The trigger there is that we need to understand that that uh just because something isn't in a file somewhere doesn't mean it didn't happen and uh why don't we presume that you know uh, certain there can be a list of presumptive injuries even uh and and then beyond that uh again it's that whole mentality shift of let's let's try to find a way to to serve the veteran and you know uh I don't know that, you know, we have to you know, have all kinds of documentation of that. Let's, 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 let's understand and appreciate the role that our veterans uh, perform for this country and just, you know, make the assumption that, uh, that we have someone here who needs our help instead of trying to find a way to say no, right?
0: For every wow. veteran that is gaming the system, and I mean, there's the occasional one that does, but they are rare from what I've yeah. seen. But for everyone that does exist, there's got to be a hundred that just never bothered putting in a claim because of all the stories that they hear of mm-hmm. what a nightmare it is to to put in that claim. And yeah. Brock's still making a, uh, a good uh, point here that there is zero veteran outreach. Zero. Um, and there never has been. When I got out way back in 95 is don't let the screen door hit you in the ass on the way out. Uh, it was very, very clear, although there was no trauma education back then. But, I mean, in hindsight, it was very, very clear that I was suffering. But uh, zero outreach, zero care. But now that we know better, we should be doing better and, and know the signs and um, and intervene by not just letting somebody out without... Uh, help and and helping them first, and 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 diagnosing them and and getting them on the the healing journey before we let them all the way out of the military.
1: Yeah, hundred percent agreed with that. Um, I, I will. This is one place where I'll give some credit to 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 both veterans affairs and DND. Um, there are you know they've set up uh, at, at a number of bases now. They've got these transition centers, and I think that's a. The concept of that is a is a is a is a great thing to mm-hmm. see. Um, I, I don't know that there's that there there isn't still more that needs to be done there. I think there is, um, but that that's a good starting place. And I think we 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 actually should when when when, when we're in uh, the release procedure, um, there there should be a exactly what you've just said. Um, that we should make sure that we've got. Uh, all of the things in place that that the, that the member needs to be able to transition into civilian life, then the release is processed. Uh, not the other way around. it's not it's not okay. see ya. and if you can figure out how to get through all our bureaucracy, maybe we'll talk to you again someday. That's exactly um, right. It should, it should be here. let's make sure you've got everything you need in place and then we'll do a release. And then, as you say, there should be follow-up. And I think one of the things that could really help with that, and we need to have a lot more veterans uh, involved in this themselves, uh, to help veterans helping other veterans, because they understand what a veteran's going through. I mean, uh, as much as, I, as my, I might try to learn, or as much as anyone that works for Veterans Affairs might try to learn, we can never completely understand what a veteran's going through. So let's get more veterans involved in that process too, and I think that would make a big difference as well.
0: It does, and people that have been out for a while, because there's a fog once you get out, and it takes a while being in the civilian world before you can have hindsight. Like when you're in it, you can't see the forest for the trees. But when you've been out for long enough, and you've already been down the healing journey yourself, like I have, uh, then you have perspective that's required. So um, Mm -hmm. now, I'm not saying... That people like myself are easy to find. We're not, but uh, I, I agree that is what needs to happen in order to keep these systems um, working. Because I, I agree, the GPSU is a, uh, the transition unit. They those are good ideas, but how effective are they? Well, we yeah. we can't have the fox watch in the hen house here. Uh, we need outside consultants like myself to to have a look at it and uh, give it a scorecard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and 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 yeah, don't get me wrong like I by no means am I am I suggesting that I think the the you know the the, the transition uh, uh suddenly has just uh become perfect. Uh I just all I'm doing is applauding a, the initiative at least.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I agree. That,
1: that Recognition and understanding that there needs to be something done better—that's yep. a great starting place. Is—is um, th- is there a lot more that needs to be done? Yeah, because I mean, I—I I routinely hear from veterans, uh, you know, whether uh, you know uh, they've just just uh, left the military or have some time ago, who say like, no one told me anything. I had no idea what I was entitled to. I had no idea um, where to go if I needed help. Like, all of that information should be clearly provided uh, and you know and 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 there should be follow up as you say right it shouldn't just be okay have a good life and you know, as I say, if you can figure out how to navigate our bureaucracy, maybe in five years, we'll talk to you again, right? Yeah. Like,
0: and the bureaucrats just, answer to all that is like, well, you have my VAC account. It's like, yeah, yeah, you do. I've been on my VAC account. I want to fairly. It takes to read an email. At first, I get a notification that I have an email and then I count the steps it takes me to read that email. And I think it's about 12. Yeah. So I got to do 12 clicks and plus a uh, uh, super duper sign in um, just to read an email as opposed to clicking some sort of security waiver to get the email directly, which of course I would do if I was an option so I can click once instead of 12 times, yeah. but, but it's, uh, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. So there's that, there's a perfect example, right? Like it's uh it's, 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 it's the worst example of government bureaucracy, right? And we all know how much fun that is to deal with. And frankly, when, you know, I, it's, you, know you think about a, a forces member who's kind of, you know, joined, joined uh, you know, gone in into service at, at the age of 18. There's a lot of things that they've never had to, to do. And one of those things is to, is to deal with, pros, you know, processes like that, right? Like, um, and there's a lot of things uh, that, you know, uh, the military is always taking care of. Uh, and to to sort of put someone in a position where, like, okay, just figure it out on your own. Uh, that's a pretty tough position to be in for someone who all their life has 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 functioned in that kind of an environment,
0: right? Yeah, that's true. There was a um, when I had Aaron O'Toole on the show. He had a good idea about health passports for for veterans, where basically, if you think it's going to help you, just go do it. <laughs> you know, uh, here yeah. here's the credit card. Go to her. And uh, because Medi-V Blue Cross, uh, they're right up there with the deny, deny until they die. You know, I've had all yeah. kinds of uh, chiropractic and whatnot, um, uh, where I had to pay it back. I'm like, oh come on! I thought this was a, bl- I thought that's this was a health passport. If I need it because of stress and anxiety and it's affecting my spinal column, that I can go get that adjusted. Oh no. No, no, uh you need to have a note from an m d who has absolutely no expertise in this whatsoever um, to to get me uh that, that prescription, it's like trying to get a prescription for, for cannabis. Good luck with that. You know, uh, if, you, if you find that doctor, um, the only way I could find one is, is through the cannabis suppliers themselves. But VAC will not write, uh, like at the OSI clinic, they will not write that prescription. Hell no. So you've got to find alternative sources just to get that uh, prescription. Eventually you can get it, but they fight you tooth and nail just to get that. So that that's what we're up against, Blake.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I and I think, you know, your point about doctors too, right? I mean. Uh there's a lot of doctors out there who have who who have no knowledge or understanding of of service injuries and and what you know what a veteran's dealing with and 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 so like that that whole process that that's what's required uh you know and 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 how many veterans uh you know if they jo- join the forces at an early age how many of them have ever had to go and find a doctor even <laughs> right right so so there's 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 the first problem right and then you you find one and they don't have a clue what you're dealing with. Yeah. um it's 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 like uh, again it just goes back to that whole idea of you know uh, expecting the veteran to 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 go out of their way to to prove everything they need and to, you know, go through all kinds of bureaucratic processes. Well, and I think it, it, it's so extreme. Place, we're never, we're never, you know, it's, we're never going to properly serve, serve, our veterans.
0: It's, it's so, that ex- it, the, the bureaucratic wall is so extreme, Blake, that there's people with missing limbs, like uh, Brock just mentioned here. Uh, it took him eight months to get a new prosthetic leg. Eight months months to get a new prosthetic leg because these prostheses they need to be changed because the stump doesn't stay the same Uh, i know jody medic has told me the same thing my friend tommy anderson who i served with lost his legs on my tour uh, to a mine strike Um, and he when it's time for a a new set of magic legs you know uh, it, it takes a long time like 10 months i think from From Tom, like it's absolutely ridiculous, so you're gonna let these guys roll around in a, in a wheelchair for ten months because you can't get your shit together, or Christine Goche, who uh, we heard testify, who is for over five years trying to get a ramp built, and only because of the pressure on by this show that um, uh, f- finally Vax is okay, okay, we'll, uh, well, we'll build you that elevator. But th- but now she's telling me, yeah, they're, they're not going to build one that's going to work, though. They're going to build an elevator as a checkbox item, but they're not building me one that's actually going to function correctly. And what's her recourse? You know, like, how yeah. does she get that fixed? The problem. There isn't.
1: She doesn't. She doesn't have, that's the problem. She doesn't have any, and she should, Right. Um, but yeah, like, you know, that she's a, she's a great example, right? Like, I mean, I, 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 I you know, I've heard her story too, as you, as you well know. And, um, you know, she, she literally drags herself across her gravel driveway and up a set of, you know, crawls up a set of stairs to get into her home. Like, how are we taking care of, 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 of uh, Christine Goche? How, how are we serving her properly when, her requirement to be able to go out of her house to go anywhere, to go do shopping, to do whatever is twice, once going out, once coming in, drag herself across a gravel driveway. And then opposite of stairs like that, that is absolutely
0: unacceptable. It's disgusting. And if this is how it's going to be for somebody that vac uses as a literal poster girl, they use her image in advertisements saying how great we are. Um, She is a competitive athlete, a Paralympian, an Invictus Games competitor, the literal poster girl. And even she has to fight and fight and fight Mm -hmm. just for the basic things because the people at VAC are treating it like it's their own money. Like they're personally cutting the check and it's going to dip into their kid's Christmas fund. Give her the damn elevator the way (laughs) she needs it. You know, quit quit, uh, nickel and diamond and just do it. Now, as the shadow minister, uh, what... Do you have any power or like what influence do you actually have for let's say Christine Gauthier's, uh case? Let's use that one in particular.
1: I wish I had a hell of a lot more. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, things would be a lot different if I did. Um, you know, is uh, obviously the one thing that I do have is that we've got a bit of a platform to try to, 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 to raise these issues. And, bring attention around them. Like realistically the ability as, as a shadow minister to actually, uh, influence the legislation directly. It's, it's, it's very minimal. um, in fact, almost non-existent. But what what I think what we do have, much like what you have with 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 your podcast, is a platform to raise the awareness around these things. You know, and and I'm sure we'll talk about the the maid situation at some point. And that's been an area where both of us we've been able to raise that into the public awareness a lot more. Um, and I think that's the platform that we have to be able to make change. So I focused a little bit on, on those things, but I mean, I'm also focused on preparing for when we do have the opportunity to, to, to really dig in and make change. And I think, to me, that's uh, that's mostly what I'm focused on. I'm, I mean, I'm much like uh, much like everyone in the veteran community. I'm focused on getting things done, and and so the, it's a very frustrating position to be in for me uh, to be able to to talk about things, but not be able to actually take action. But I cannot wait for the day when we can actually take action, and we're going to be ready. So. Um, expect change.
0: Now, should the Conservatives form government? Can you just make me this one promise, Blake, that you'll get at least Christine fixed up?
1: You know what? I think that's that should be almost a no-brainer. Um, you know, like, we, we just got to – we that one is we just got to get done, right? Like, just got to she, get she's it done. A great, she's, a, she's a great example of, like, the stories out there. Everyone knows it. She's been waiting years like how how do you how do you even say she doesn't need a, you know what she, you know a, a lift in in her home like she needs to get up the stairs she's in a wheelchair I'm not sure how you even argue that there isn't a need for that.
0: Well, she got the letter from, she sent me the, the letter she got from VAC saying, hey, congratulations, uh, we've now decided that we're going to build you this proper wheelchair elevator. But And I'm like, hey, that's good. She's like, no, it's not good. Keep yeah. reading. And then
1: she got more letters that said they need to, I, 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 forget, I can't remember the exact, but it's, it's all bureaucratic nonsense again, right?
0: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, we're going to build it, but we're not going to build it.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly it right there. Take, give with one hand, take away with the other.
0: Yeah, we're we're going to build it, but we're not going to build it. Oh, it's out of the news now, so now, yeah, we, we've changed our mind because it's not in the front page of the National Post anymore.
1: And there is the actual answer right there. Uh, it was a way to get it out of the front pages and then, oh, well, sorry about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, let's talk about MAID. So that's how we met. Um, yeah. The Minister of Veterans Affairs, Macaulay has made the announcement that, well, we did the investigation on ourselves, <laughs> the fox guard and the hen house, and we yep. have decided that we are innocent. That made is not now, nor has it ever been, uh, policy of Veterans Affairs Canada. Whoa. And uh, this is an isolated inc- incident. It was only four, um, uh, four veterans and one veteran's caseworker. Now, Blake, you and I have both personally spoken with several veterans that are not on his list. And we know as a fact that there has to be at least four or five case managers. How does the minister get away with such bald faced lies?
1: Great question. Um, you know, uh, their own report, even, even their, even their own report. And I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. uh, Right. When you say like they, that's uh, them investigating themselves. So what, what did we expect to come out of that investigation? But even in that report of their, their own investigation of them investigating themselves, they admit that there might be as many as 19 other veterans. And, you know, I, I, I questioned the minister about that so are you telling me that you've chosen not to believe any of these other veterans you 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 say they're all lying that's essentially what they're doing if they're saying if they're saying that 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 they found no way to because they said there was no way to substantiate any of these claims well that means they're saying these veterans aren't telling the truth simple as that there's yeah. no other including christine
0: they called Christine a liar yeah. straight up exactly exactly and
1: and you know of course he refuses to answer that question but we all know what the answer is if that's what they're saying they're saying that every one of these other veterans is lying um i, I do believe him about one thing i don't i don't i don't think there was ever a veterans affairs policy uh, to to do this but there's clearly people within veterans affairs may, maybe even well intentioned i don't know but who are offering this and and unfortunately even pressuring people um and uh you know i'll, I'll you, you've had uh, people on your on your show that that have uh, you know talked about what happened to them. Uh, I talked to a guy not too long ago in uh, Newfoundland, and he um, he was uh, assessed as I can't remember if it was ninety eight or ninety nine percent disabled. Of course, there's there's a number of things that he was looking to qualify for that would require him to be a hundred percent disabled. Uh, so he was looking to get reassessed, and he the the worker uh, the the worker they sent out to assess him, the first question that they asked him, uh, and one of the things he was looking for was home care, first thing they asked him uh is, Would you like MAID? Well he didn't even know what MAID was actually. He he actually thought, and it's gonna sound funny, but he actually thought they were offering him someone to help clean his house. And so he asked more about it and they explained what MAID was. And he said to them, you know, I'm not looking for medical assistance in dying. I'm looking for medical assistance in living. And I think that really is what speaks to this. Like that's what's happening is veterans are coming saying, I need help to get whatever service it is, whatever benefit it is I might need to be able to live my life. And instead to have veterans affairs, tell you someone from veterans affairs, and this happened to this particular guy twice Um you know, well, I'll tell you what. It's I know it's tough. So, uh, you know, if you want to end it, we can help you with that, right? Well, like just this going,
0: this story by itself, Blake. It, we can, it,
1: we give you a wheelchair lift, but we can we can help you end your life if it's too tough to live without the wheelchair lift, right? Like oh yeah, me, we'll,
0: we'll kill you better than blowing like, your brains out. Yeah, we'll do it what for does you. That,
1: what does that do? What does that say? How does that make uh, everyone else feel who 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 has to try and figure out a way to navigate Veterans Affairs? And especially if you're, if you're dealing with mental injuries, uh, and you've already maybe got thoughts that you don't want to be having, uh, and you, you know that you, you might call veterans affairs now and, and they might say, "Hey, you know what? we got something for you. We can help you We can help you die here. And, and not only is it being suggested in some cases, but being pushed upon veterans, like, does that not is that not going to prevent more veterans from coming forward to look for help from Veterans Affairs? Without a doubt, it will. Oh,
0: any um, any trust that was still in big Veterans big Affairs big is is gone now, Blake. It's it's yeah. gone, and j- it. just this one story that you're sharing is absolute proof that there has to be more than two case managers yeah. that have been mm-hmm. offering it. Just this right. one, because uh, case right. manager number one, of uh, which I know her name, uh, was right. in BC. And this is, and this happened in Newfoundland. Well, this isn't the same person that transferred offices, you know, so this is literally coast to coast.
1: Well, she had, uh, it was, it was, you know, the the person that offered to her, it would be, it would have been, it would have been a Francophone. Well, the person in BC, I don't believe is a Francophone. So there's another example. There is so many, uh, like, it doesn't take a genius to be able to tell that there's clearly not one person involved. It's more than one person that's involved, and it it just blows me away to to think that you've got a Veterans Affairs minister saying that you know you've got maybe as many as nineteen other veterans who've who've who his 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 department has identified, and and he's essentially saying, "Well, they're all not telling the truth."
0: Yeah, it it, it boggles my mind that as the shadow minister, you can't FOIA, you can't demand a policy and procedure manual because the one that they gave you was just this abridged. BS version, but in a policy or procedure manual, they could actually say that, uh, yeah, would you like fries with that? Would you like made with that? It was policy. It had to be policy. I don't believe it wasn't, because how else do you explain it? Was there a secret death cult? You know? uh, No, that doesn't seem very plausible. So how is it that from coast to coast, from Newfoundland to Vancouver, uh, we've got people opening the conversation with, hey, would you like us to kill you? Oh, it had to be policy like there, nothing else is logical.
1: Yeah, well, there, there definitely had to be something uh, that was communicated somewhere along the way, whether it was policy or otherwise, somewhere something was communicated. There's no question about that. There's there's something that's not that that that's being hidden here. Let's yeah. put it that way. There's no question about it, and that's the smoking uh, gun. We the very need. fact that the very fact that they, um, you know, they're they they are refusing essentially, like, essentially refusing to provide the information that we're demanding as a as a committee. It's not even it's not even just me as the shadow minister. This is the committee. This is all parties. Uh, we're demanding this information, and it's not being provided. Uh, that's a, like you know, um, there's no question that they are that they are hiding something because there's there's all kinds of efforts to prevent us from seeing what we need to see. Um, So to me, that tells you everything you need to know. it's, It's just a matter of figuring out what it is they're hiding.
0: Yeah, it 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 had to have been policy or a memo gone wrong. Maybe would be the most generous way to, yeah. uh, you know. But somewhere along the line, there was some training that hey, uh, we got this great way to be a but, to do the budget cut. I was first asked that by David Menzies. Um, do, do you think this was a budgetary decision? I thought that's just too horrible to consider. Like that's just way too horrific. But now I do. Now, I 100% think that they are encouraging MADE within the veterans community to get us off the books. I really, it's, I I can't believe that, uh, it would get that grotesque, but that's exactly what it is. And they know it. And now that they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar, um, they are backpedaling like crazy.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. I really hope that that, that, that that isn't what's behind it. I really hope that's not. But at the end of the day, um, the kind of attitude that we're seeing, I can certainly understand why you or anyone would, would be led to believe that. Um, because that's the attitude that we see. It's like, we just want you to go away so we don't have to help you. Uh, and whether it's to try and save money, or whether it's because they just don't want, they just couldn't be bothered, or whatever the case might be. And I mean, I, I guess I should stop here and say, like, I know there's some there's some good people in Veterans Affairs that are really sure want to help. Yep. there's no doubt about that. Yep. Uh, there's some great people, um, but there is there is absolutely a problem with with some of the culture within that organization, and uh, it needs to change.
0: So what if we uh, discovered there was, um, when I testified, that was, that was specifically about MAID, but when Christine Goche was testifying in front of the Standing Committee on Veterans Affairs, that was about uh, service issues. So that was about the uh, outsourcing of Veterans Affairs Canada to Loblaws. Um, so how's that been going? What, what have you got back from there? Is the outsourcing a good idea, a bad idea? Is it improving things or making them worse?
1: well uh, in this particular instance there's no question that it's 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 making things worse right um, and, and uh, you know um, what uh, you know what we're seeing is like we've even seen where there's been periods of time where some uh, you know if a veteran comes forward with with a new uh, claim where there's need for help with mental illness injuries um, they're 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 actually being told well we can't we can't start a new we can't start a new uh, file on this right now, right? Like li- literally, people who are in n- probably the most need of help, right? When you're in in that kind of a, uh, a crisis, it's like, well, sorry, we can't open a new claim because they because nobody knows, right? Like, and here's what here's what it boils down to. Like, um, with this whole process uh, moving over to a new contract. There was, there was zero communication or consultation done. We talked about this right off the top of the, of the, of the podcast, right? It's, uh, nobody talks to anybody to find out whether what they're about to do is a good idea you know, or to, to even inform or communicate about what's about to happen. So right down to even the case managers who this has great effect on in veterans. They don't even know what their responsibilities are anymore. Like they have no idea what they're supposed to be doing. Um, You know, the veterans themselves, of course, again, no idea where they go for for help at this point. Um, Not that there was really a whole lot of information about that before. Um, But when you've got a situation where even the people who are supposed to be offering the help don't know what they're supposed to be doing, how can that possibly be good for for providing the services that veterans need? It, It simply can't be. And it starts with communication and consultation, which doesn't exist. It starts with accountability, which doesn't
0: exist. The downstream effects of everything we've been talking about, Blake, are this. Um, the desperation and the absence of confidence in Veterans Affairs Canada results directly in alcohol and substance abuse, suicide, homelessness, divorce. I mean, the social downstream effect of this is absolutely catastrophic we saw it after world war ii um uh, both (laughs) with my grandparents and and what they turned into and the intergenerational trauma that that caused a poorly served veterans community causes a new wave of intergenerational trauma and all of society is suffering as a result this is a this is a file that has to get fixed um How we're going to get that done, I don't know. But I sure hope that um, should you form government and become the next Minister of Veterans Affairs, that you stay plugged into the veteran community and you have the equivalent of a board of directors uh, helping you and advising you and filling in the gaps of what needs to be done. Because I think it's actually fairly simple. Just got to get rid of the gatekeepers, like your boss says. Get rid of the damn gatekeepers Open. Where there's a will,
1: there's a way. Right? And just like, get it done. Simple. Yeah, yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. And 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 you're absolutely right. We need to involve veterans in the, in, in in that uh, because they're the only ones that can truly understand what needs to happen. And we need to have people in place that are ready to take action. And it's that simple. If you're if you have the will, yeah. there is a way. And I can tell you whether I have have the the great honor of serving veterans as their veterans affairs minister and i want to make it real clear that that is what that's who that's who the veterans affairs minister belongs to is the veterans themselves and that needs to be the first mindset that that person has um, is that they are that they are the minister for the veterans And, uh, whether that be me or whether that be somebody else, I can assure you that I will be, uh, this will not be something that, uh, that I will not be involved in and it will not be something that I will allow, uh, anything other than to make sure there's improvements and that we get, that we get this right. Uh, will we, will we be perfect? I doubt it. I don't think anyone's ever going to get it perfect, but is there is there a need for there to be major action to make this, uh, this start to work for veterans? Yes, and I will do everything that I possibly can to make sure that happens.
0: Closing topic. Um, I have run into more stolen valor than I can... <laughs> Shake a stick at. Like, it's unbelievable how much stolen valor I, I run into. One of the biggest breeding grounds for it is the Royal Canadian Legion. This is where you see people uh, saying that they were something that they were simply not. And it's really easy for them to get a, away with it within um, the, the civilian world. But we can usually spot it, or at least something mm. smells rotten to us uh, pretty quick and pretty easily, and, and sometimes in the most subtle of ways. So what is your opinion on the lack of penalties for stolen valor? Is that that a problem that you think should should be addressed uh, to make stiffer penalties for it, to make it uh, more prosecutable?
1: Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. It's not something I, I focus so much on on the services and making sure that we're we're there for veterans, um, and that's really my big focus. So I haven't given this a lot of thought. But I mean, no question, when uh, you know stolen valor, uh, I mean that's that's despicable. The idea that someone would, would pose as one of our heroes, um, that that yeah, there's there's no excuse for that. So yeah, I mean, I, I I'm fully supportive of. Uh, anything that would uh, that would make sure that that is uh, punished and 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 certainly everything's done to discourage it from happening because uh, uh, you're absolutely right. Like I, I'm uh, someone like myself, uh, a civilian might not recognize it, um, but anyone who served, I know would would spot it immediately. And uh, I can usually not always.
0: Yeah, well, some I of them were pretty people, good. I've I've run into some where I was like, uh, "That ain't right," but uh, yeah. but but they yeah. were able to fool uh, others within the community. There's there's a lot and I of think,
1: it, and I, and I think that that you know that does something to degrade our our true heroes. Right, yeah. that's and why I bring up that, that should never be allowed to happen. It should never be accepted because. Uh, if there's one thing we need to do, and it, it goes back to everything we've spoken to, it, it, but it, but it's, it's in every way, is to make sure that we're honouring uh, the service, the sacrifice that our veterans have given to this country, and if anyone is doing anything that would uh, degrade that in any way, that is just unacceptable.
0: Well, I've seen them in motorcycle clubs, I've seen them at the Royal Canadian Legion, I run into them in parking lots, and... Uh, we have seen pictures of them on Stolen Valor Canada getting married in a uniform that they've never worn, that they were never issued. Um, like, it just goes on and on. And there's two types. There's those that serve that exaggerate their service by wearing medals that they did not earn, which just boggles my mind that anybody would do that because they should have a better appreciation of how gross that is. Uh, anyone
1: should, yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, uh, even wearing airborne wings that you didn't earn, you know, um, just cause, so you look a little extra cool. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's unbelievable. and But those ones get charged if they're still serving, and, and, and they get spanked pretty good, and their careers get uh, damaged. But the ones that never served a day in their life and say that they did... Um, I, I am really hoping for a big consequence because I see them at veteran support agencies receiving yeah. uh, support from volunteer agencies like um, yeah. the Veterans Association Food Bank and, and and other who don't know any better, you know, yeah. and uh, and you're, you're you also don't want to away. get that one wrong. You don't want to accuse somebody who did serve. Yeah. <laughs> I was told that that happens, too.
1: Sure. Sure, understood. But I mean, at the end of the day, anyone who would take away a service or a support that should, that should be going to an actual veteran, oh. that, that that's despicable, as you say, right? And it's uh, horrendous. And so, yeah, absolutely. And you know, like you mentioned, uh, homeless veterans, and I, I just got to tell you, like the idea that the, that we even ha- that we even have to say that those two words together, homeless and veteran, um, that's that's like what a, what a, what a, what a shame, like what a cry and shame. Um, and, and it goes back to, you know, this, the services that, uh, that need to be there. Um, this generally isn't a problem that exists because there's a lack of homes. It's a problem that exists because of all the things that you talked about earlier, right? Um, we're not, we're not providing the services and support that people need and, and that leads them to become homeless. And, um, you know, when you've got thousands of veterans out there without, without, uh, you know, without proper uh, shelter, even, um, man, we're failing. We're failing miserably, and that's got to change too.
0: Yeah, and they are a real thing. Although uh, the Legion has a an initiative to try to track down and, and, and help homeless veterans. And yet at the same time uh, I've heard them say that there's no such thing as homeless veterans. So pick a lane, yeah. <laughs> but I know that it's a big, big problem and there's different levels of homelessness. There's the couch surfing as well. Yeah. Um yeah. There's been lots of that, lots of yeah. that.
1: And that's just, that's a problem too. Like that, that I'm sorry, but there's just like, there's one if there's uh, if there is one group of Canadians who should who should we should never be able to say that about it should be our it's our veterans and uh, that's just got to change.
0: It does, Blake. Is there anything uh, that you want to have as a closing statement or question? Well,
1: yeah. well, I mean, I would just I I, I would just say thank you uh, to you, Mark, for everything that you do. Uh, to you know, to, to try and help serve your fellow veterans, including you know the the podcast. I know there's a lot of great information that that uh, that's available as a result of it. And I just want you to know that that uh, you know as as I move forward in this role and hopefully in, in another one in government real soon, um, I, I you know I look forward to continuing to work with you and to and to working with the entire veteran community to make sure that we get that we that we we honor your service and sacrifice with not just a thank you in words, but a thank you with what we do in our actions and making sure that we're providing uh, the services and support
0: that that veterans need. Well, thank you, Blake. There's um, a common sentiment within the veteran community that we're often used for photo ops and as are their remembrance day ceremonies, which is why I'm very picky about which remembrance day ceremonies I go to. Uh, A lot of ones that are held by municipalities are they're just photo ops. It's, it's ridiculous. I once had a, a city counselor uh, look at my chest and go, Oh, are those your grandfather's medals? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no, those are mine. Oh, you're too young to be a veteran. Oh my God. You know, but that's, that's the problem
1: right there. Right. Is I, I think people don't identify uh, with, with our, with our, with our modern uh, and our young veterans. Right. And I think that is, uh, you know, it's it's a problem in veterans affairs, but it's a problem in society more generally, and I think w- that's something we we I uh, think as politicians can do, what we as government can do to help with that too. I mean, I've actually uh, you know we didn't talk about this, but maybe I, if if you have a sure would yeah. love to talk about this. You know, um, there's a you may you may know about it, but I'm sure there's lots of people out there that don't. Uh, there's a project called the Memory Project, and mm. it's a historic institute. that that does this i worked with them about a decade or so ago uh they were trying to uh uh, make sure that we um digitized a lot of the stories and artifacts and things of of uh, world war ii veterans while we still had them around and they're really in the process right now and i've been working with them to try to uh, get them some funding through both government and private sector um to be able to uh, open this up so that we can uh, really um, ensure that, especially kids in schools and otherwise, have uh, have greater access to firsthand accounts, whether it be um, you know the in person visits that can happen, but also digitizing it all for future generations, so that all of the service of our you know whether it be our peacekeeping veterans, our Gulf War veterans, our Afghanistan veterans, um, are. That our that our kids of today can learn from it because I when I think about my generation like everybody kind of had uh, you know a grandfather or some other relative and I my grandfather served both my grandfather served in World War two and my great grandfather uh, served in World War One so I I had those personal connections. And I think a lot of kids these days, they have those personal connections too, but we don't recognize like, like today's veteran. I don't know that, that there's a lot of uh, veterans out there. Maybe their neighbors, even down the street, don't even know that they were a veteran who served this country. And I think we've really got to change that because I think um, when you, you there's a lot of things I could say about our our American friends, but one thing they do get right is they, they appreciate and respect the service. Uh, And I think in Canada, Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that we could do better, Uh, just as Canadians in general. You know, I've often said to people, even, you know, uh, when a veteran has their veterans' uh, plates on their car, um, you go up and thank them right go up and thank them and uh and i just think like all those little things uh we need to do to show that appreciation and you know so this idea this memory project which is a way to uh i think put our veterans in front of uh more and more of our of our school children and otherwise so that they can grow up with that respect and appreciation um i think if 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 that's where we start um then uh, then getting the rest of it right is a lot easier
0: well, just in Alberta alone, there are three different individuals I know of that have done something similar to the memory project. The problem is is that there are tons, tens of thousands of hours of professionally recorded uh, interviews and stories that are in the basement of the museum or, or right. on somebody's hard drive, and they're not out there for the, for the public consumption. Uh, Karen, Karen Storwick uh, is doing it. She did it for the Museum of the Regiments. Dixon Christie up in Edmonton has done it. Um, with the Battle Scars uh, series, and L. Cameron uh, in Sylvan Lake uh, does it all the time. I've I've been interviewed yeah. by Al. So yeah. the, a lot of these stories are recorded and professionally d- done, but then uh, then they're buried and, and they're they're not for public consumption. So the Memory Project could uh, tap into and say, Hey, you know, uh, would you share? And then we can consolidate it all.
1: Great. Well, let's 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 connect offline on that then, Mark, because that needs to happen. But it, but you're right. Like it can't be. We can't just record these things and they and they and they gather dust in a, in, a, in a archive somewhere. Like they need to be used. They need to be like the, like like our school kids. They should they should they should be they should be seeing these things in in school um, uh, as an example. Uh, but like I think if we if we can't do more to ensure that that the average Canadian really appreciates the the service and sacrifice and, and really, really has an understanding of it. Um, then fixing all these things is that much harder. Right.
0: Well, an example is Tommy Prince. He should be on our $5 bill. You know, I had the daughter of Tommy Prince on the show. I had that wonderful honor of having Karen here in the studio. And if the story of just, I mean, there's many, many more. There's Francis Mugabo. There's, there, there's many, but, um, if the story of Tommy Prince was told and was put out there properly in a in a blockbuster movie, I mean, he's basically the father of the American Green Berets and Canadian Special Forces. It all came from Tommy, and uh, not as a member of of the unit, but he stuck out. He was the most decorated um, member of the First Special Service Force. The name, the Devil's Brigade, they didn't get that without Tommy. So the entire German army called an entire brigade the Devil's Brigade because of one man more than any other. Um, like he was a super ramble. And yet his story is not being told. Uh, the name right. Tommy Prince, if that was on the lips and the minds of every First Nations person in this country, what that would do for their community is fantastic. The pride that that would bring is fantastic. and 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 he's just one of many right one right. of many of our indigenous right. veterans that that are spectacular but we don't tell our stories and we have to tell our stories tell them loudly tell them proudly that's what we have to do
1: exactly that's that's exactly it i mean there's there is there's so much heroism that uh canadians have no idea uh and uh you know it's it it goes right back all the way to you know uh everywhere we've served. I mean, there is so many heroes and so many, so many stories that, that we as, as Canadians should all be so proud of. And and most Canadians probably couldn't even tell you, uh, you know, like Tommy Prince, I bet you most Canadians wouldn't even recognize the name. No
0: nope, guaranteed. Uh, or, or his picture, you know, that's why it has to be on the $5 bill. It, we got a stamp for him. So that's pretty good. But um, who the hell uses a stamp anymore? <laughs> You know, we've got to get good them on the $5 point. bill. And it's a good place to start. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's like that. We just like that. It, to me, it all starts from there. If we can, uh, if the average Canadian can uh, have have that instilled in them that much more about how much respect and appreciation there needs to be, um, boy, we then we really start making a difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Blake, thanks for taking uh, the time to be with me today, my friend
1: absolutely mark really appreciate it
0: 100 stay in the line like you're listening to operation tangle romeo the Trauma recovery podcast for veterans first responders and their families hello my friends thank you for sharing your time with me today i hope you found value in today's episode if you found this episode helpful healing or informative Please Let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple and please share share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels because sharing is caring.